BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Hello and welcome to Talk Spooky to Me, the Ghost Story Guys mail show. I'm Brendan Store. I'm Paul Bestel. And this is the show where we get to hear from you, our audience. Paul, my friend, how are you doing? I'm all right. It's another week of minor paranormal events here in the uh, current property, but uh, we're doing okay. Thank you. I've survived. So we got to tell me now, obviously. You can't just leave it at that. <laughs> yeah, we had the knocking again. Oh, okay. Heard it downstairs and upstairs, like knocking on the wall three times. Bang, bang, bang. So clearly it's Satan. Yeah, mocking um, the Trinity. Yeah, no, we all know. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's just science. Of course, yeah. Yeah, yeah. well, he's, he's in the wrong fucking house here. Um, <laughs> he's coming, he's trying to get back home is what he's trying to do. <laughs> it's like John Cusack can say, any, say anything. He's going to be outside your window with a boombox playing Pantera. <laughs> and then the strangest thing, I did some washing the other day. So I left the uh, wash basket in the kitchen, stood up. Obviously, I'd, I'd put the washing in, did the cycle. A couple of hours later, went back into the kitchen to take the washing out to hang it out. And the wash basket was at the other side of the kitchen on its side. Oh. But the door was closed and neither of the dogs had been in. I hadn't been in. It's just moved six feet and on its side. How much longer are you, are you in the house? Uh, five more days. All right. So plenty of time for, uh, for Satan to come back and make one final appeal for your attention. I heard the dog chain last night, which I haven't, I haven't heard for yonks. Dog chain? Yeah, my mum, one of my mum's old dogs comes back and uh, muscles around the kitchen just in the bowls and stuff. All you can hear is the chain knocking on the, on the bowls. No he, he inspects the bowls still. Oh, that's cool. So at first I thought it was Theo because he's got a little collar on, but it doesn't really jangle. And so I, I turned around and he was laid on the settee next to me, so it wasn't him because he was asleep. And I got up, and there was nothing there. And Ted, the other dog, he would just sat like that, with his head tilted to one side, looking into the kitchen. <laughs> and then after about 30 seconds, he just went in, and that were it. I'll be damned. Quite nice, actually. Yeah, that does sound nice. I miss Ross. He was a lovely dog. Oh, man. No, yeah. that, that, sounds, that sounds like the kind of paranormal experience I, we, we could do with more of on this show. Absolutely. I do miss, well, I don't miss him sitting on me because he, he thought he was still a puppy, but unfortunately he weighed the best part of 10 stone and looked like a bear. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, the, that's the kind of sleep paralysis you don't need. 
after a heavy night of drinking on Christmas Day and you wake up at four in the morning with a ten stone Labrador laid across your lungs. (laughs) You can actually be loved to death. (laughs) As for me, I've had no paranormal goings on. Um, I had to have minor dental surgery, which was fun. Yeah, I won't get into it, but it was, uh, it was meant to be something simple that turned out to be not quite as simple. It wasn't terrible, but I'm still, mm. the inside of my mouth is still healing, so if I mumble at all, you know, more than usual, that's why. Uh, but I compensated for this, sort of, with what you might call an experiment? Mm. Yeah, we'll say experiment. So, you will know if you listen to the show for a while. I was microdosing from basically 2021 uh, up to about end of last year. I was microdosing psilocybin to help with deal with my anxiety and depression, primarily my depression. And I, I really felt like it worked, you know, now, again, microdosing every three or four days, did a lot of good. And then I stopped cause I felt like, you know, I'm kind of at a good spot, but then I, I kind of felt as though maybe I should be doing it again, especially being back in Victoria. You know, I, I don't particularly like being here, uh, but I'm going to be here for, you know, for a little while yet. And mm-hmm. it was just making me, a, I was just, I could feel myself sliding back into kind of a dark place. Hmm. So I thought I'm going to start microdosing again. So I did. And it's, it, it, it was very helpful. But then my lovely wife approached me and she said, how would you feel about doing a macro dose together? And Nick is not someone who's, you know, typically inclined to these things, but I guess a conversation had arisen at work and, you know, she was kind of curious. So mm. I said, okay, well, yeah, I, I haven't done that in 15, no, almost 20 years, but sure, let's, you know, we can give it a shot. I said, I'll, I'll get, to, I'll order some low dose stuff in chocolate to sort of try it first, you know, like a, mm. a, a just a, a test run and then some actual plant matter. And, and for, for our listeners, this is not exactly legal here in Canada, but it is considerably less illegal than it used to be. You can order them online through the mail and it's, it's gray market. It's, it's the way cannabis was in 2016. So again, not legal, but the cops aren't beating down your door. And so I did this Sunday night. We put on a police academy. We were told this would be a very mild experience, maybe put on a movie or something, you know, just something to kind of chill out to and, and have a laugh. And uh, I got to tell you, Paul, this was not a chill out and have a laugh time. She had two squares and she didn't feel much anything. I had two squares. And then something in my head, this rogue impulse said, you need one more square. So I had one more square and Nick just thought I'm going to bed. And I said, okay, well, I'm, I'm going to stay up, see if this is, because I started to feel different. You know, at one, at one point I just took off my shirt and said, I would like to go stand outside now, which is not something I typically do. (laughs) (laughs) So I stood out of my balcony, you know, which is sheltered by a lot of plants, thankfully, and just kind of stood there taking in the night air. And I had to resist the urge to crawl into the, the dirt underneath the plants because there's a sort of like (laughs) alcovey space. And I, I really had this feeling like I want to crawl in there. No, 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 we're not doing that. There's spiders and shit in there. We're not doing this. So go back inside, think, I'm just going to lay down on the couch for a second, close my eyes. And that's when the trouble began. <laughs> now, from what I understand, this was what I experienced was not a full on, you know, what I, what I will experience when I eventually, you know, work up the nerve to, to do the plant matter thing. But dude, I trip balls. At one point, I traded the bushes outside my house, two glasses of water for knowledge. Mm. Yeah. It was a long experience. I had about three major waves of, of, halluc- of sort of, uh, not quite hallucination, but of, of, of experience, we'll say. 
And I, like I said, I talked to the bushes outside my house for a while. And uh, I, God knows what my neighbors thought. <laughs> well, I can't, I can't say anything. I remember one of my um, self-medicating moments with, with mushrooms in the 90s. I ended up with a friction burn on my head because I was laughing so much I couldn't get off the floor. <laughs> okay, there we go. Yeah, so. And the, uh, the other gentleman with me was sat on the stairs crying with laughter and we couldn't move him for 40 minutes. Oh no! <laughs> Just crying with laughter, like whoa, <laughs> like a like a one of those weird slot machines you put money in, like the, one of those laughing clown machines. It was like that for forty minutes. <laughs> All right. Well, on this episode, we have not only listener mail, we have some guests coming up. After the break, we'll be talking to Carrie and Quinn from the Truly Darkly Creepily podcast. That is a true crime show which has been on hiatus for a little while, while Carrie and Quinn were working with Lifetime Network on a podcast there, Crime of a Lifetime. Now they're headed back to Truly Darkly Creepily. The show will be relaunching, I believe, very, very soon. I think actually tomorrow as we record this. So I'm excited to sit down with them and, and talk true crime because that's not really a, an industry I have much connection with. So I'm always curious to know what's going on underneath the hood there. But for now, we're going to check the mail. Our courteous and efficient staff is on call 24 hours a day to serve all your supernatural elimination needs. We're ready to believe you. All right. So first message is from Cindy. Good day. Loving the show. I grew up north of Prince George in a little town called Chetwind. As a kid, I could see things others didn't and it passed to both my boys. Once my aunt got stuck with six-ish year old me. She was hanging with her friend in the old house on their property. I came downstairs to say the little girl upstairs wouldn't play with me and she took the toy I had. You guessed it. There were only three of us in the house. Cindy, that is creepy as hell. Very cool. Thank you so much for sharing that. What a lovely name, little town, Chetwind. Yeah, yeah, I've, I've never been. It's, it's way up there. I think it's a lot of uh, oil industry stuff that far up. Ah, a lovely name. Next up is a message from Friday. And Friday says, Okay, so I was listening to Messages from Beyond. And I have a thought about the story of the person who scared off their nightmare neighbours with the supernatural bats. Feel free to take this with a grain of sand and or write it off completely. But I keep having the thought that whatever it was that entered the neighbour's home via their joining wall had been waiting for permission to enter. Call it a personification of karma, their comeuppance, call it Susan if you want. But I get this feeling that whatever it may have been was trying to get to the neighbours but couldn't for some reason. Maybe one of them was into the craft and found a protection spell. Maybe they were knowingly or unknowingly putting up some kind of keep-away vibes. I don't know. I'm not an expert. I'm just a lady with a gut feeling. Until the OPs decided to end their torment became strong enough to override it. The reason I think this is because of the OPs description of how nothing they and their partner did seemed to stick when it came to their neighbours. Contacting the landlord, filing lawsuits, it all did diddly squat. Now, I totally get that it could just be that the laws around this kind of stuff are shitty at best, which they are. But I add to the fact that the neighbours seemed scared of them after that night and left pretty quickly after. And that, to me, sounds like the OP broke the protection spell with just the right amount of desperation and a grandpa that said, You need help? Say no more, fam. Oh, and speaking of Clamato juice, <laughs> I know of it because of a drink called a Michelada? Uh, Michelada. 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 I don't know. I won't be ordering one. Whatever it's called. 
Michelada. <laughs> oh, God, this sounds awful. Which is beer, Clamato, what a waste of beer. <laughs> beer, Clamato juice, Worcestershire, Worcestershire sauce, lime juice and hot sauce. I've never had one and I don't plan to. Anyhow, thank you for the spooky stories over the years. What a waste of beer and Worcestershire sauce. <laughs> I actually have a message from a listener um, <laughs> on this subject. It was from uh, Ben on Instagram. Uh, and I know I said we were done with Clamato content, guys, but uh, I lied. <laughs> what can I say? I'm a dishonest man. It's a drink that will not die. <laughs> no matter how hard you try. But this, this message from Ben, Ben says, thought I'd throw this into the Clamato arc currently playing out on the show. I was in Mexico a few years back and was presented with a perfectly innocent looking Saul beer. Me seeing the logo we've all come to know and love and not thinking much else, I took a hearty swig. I can honestly say I've rarely felt instant revulsion quite like it. Soul Clamato Beer. Uh, love the show. Hope you're both doing well. And Ben included a picture of this, Paul, and I, I will send it over to you. Uh, it's El Original. So, you know, it's, it's the real shitty Clamato Beer. <laughs> Fabulous. Yep. Mm, mm, mm. I'm going to have so much shit in my suitcase, I'm not going to have room for clothes. <laughs> I'm working on something. Paul and I can't tell you because it might not turn out but I just paid a guy a couple hundred bucks for a thing that if it turns out it's going to be brilliant and if it doesn't I will never mention it again but okay oh I'm this very excited quite disturbing this isn't it mm. yeah, yeah oh it, it's, it involves you so yeah yeah I, I, I want to give it away so bad because I'm so bad at keeping secrets but no I will um, we'll see. Yeah. We'll see if my Pakistani friend delivers. Oh, right. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm used to people trying to do secrets because obviously this is my fourth show of the, of the week. Uh, and so uh, obviously lots of people have told me lots of things they can't talk about on the interview. So they've done it afterwards. Oh, interesting. There you are. Can you, that's the sound of a dog having a big drink. I, I absolutely. Yeah. I can hear it just as well as you can probably hear the birds uh, banging each other outside my window. Oh, well, he's only got a fart left to do, and he's he's done the tricks. <laughs> a dog after my own heart. Maybe you won't be so surprised when you meet me. <laughs> Mind you, Julie messaged me last night to tell me that one of the cats had farted in front of her. Oh no! <laughs> and because we, we had a we had a discussion the other week, because she refused to believe that cats farted, and I said, of course they fart. All animals fart. You know, I'm, I'm aware of quite a few animals and their um habits oh i have no doubt if there's anyone i i know who i had to bet on knows about animal farting habits it would be paul <laughs> paul damien hey, bestel you're talking to a man who saw his mum pissed on by a tapir what haven't i seen man that must have been a wild night <laughs> hey i never knew how far a tapir could projectile piss until that day <laughs> but i know now Jesus. they can they can hit a good third they can hit a woman in the face from 30 feet away that's what a tapir can do if I'm ever on uh, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire and that comes up, <laughs> I know what friend I'm calling. <laughs> One of our RE teachers at, at high school always used to uh, tell us the uh, the benefits of drinking your own urine. He was often he would tell us regularly that he drank a pint of his own urine every day. Probably how why he ended up being an RE teacher, I suspect. What's RE? Oh, sorry, religious education. Oh, <laughs> okay, that makes more sense. Yeah, we only did it to the third year. Only two people chose it as an exam subject in the whole school, so it was dropped from the curriculum for the final two years. You know, that is such a sizable movement of people now, people who drink their own urine, that 
I just feel like I, it's, it's almost, it's beyond parody because it's just become mainstream now. There were people who thought that would defeat COVID. You know, that, that the, secret, the secret to defeating COVID was just drinking your own piss. Yeah, that's where they got it wrong. It's drinking other people's piss. <laughs> Citation needed. Hey, I saw that on the internet. It must be true. All right, Friday. Well, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> I don't know how much of that's going to stay in, but uh, I assure you, if it does get cut, you, you, you led to a lively conversation, or your email led to a lively, lively conversation. So thank you, I, I think. <laughs> From Stuart. Just wanted to let you know that as a fairly new listener, I'm really enjoying the format, style, and humor of it, and working through some older episodes. I was actually encouraged to start listening after recommendations for my sister, Julie. I also started on Eminem last year, thanks to her. In fact, I've had to rearrange some holiday from work in order to attend this year's Paramete to prevent her fangirling too much over you two. I look forward to meeting the two of you. It should be a good event. We look forward to meeting you two, Stuart and, and Julie. And I, I'm... I'm not worried at all about her fangirling. I'm sure it'll be fine. Any, however weird you think you're going to be, we are probably five times as weird. So, challenge accepted. Yeah, where did you meet my family? Oh, of course, they're going to be there too. I'm the same way out of them and look at me. <laughs> you're safe for my family. They can't cross running water. <laughs> this one is from Anonymous. I felt so honoured you took the time to read out a dream story of mine from Season 7, Episode 27, The Dream Hunt. It was really weird having it read out to me, especially when I wasn't expecting it. I was working on Splitting Wood and I remember thinking, gee, this sounds familiar, when it hit me that you'd actually put my story on your podcast. A huge thanks to both of you for that. Like I said, totally honoured. I have a question to pose to both of you. Have either of you heard stories where people have gained time? I know there are many published instances of people losing time, but I have yet to hear anyone discuss gaining time. But this phenomenon actually happened to me. It was 1993, and I was attending college at the University of New Hampshire in Durham. There were times when I would return home for the weekend, which is a good two-hour drive. At the time, I was driving a 79 Jeep CG5. This thing had a dinky four-cylinder engine, which would barely get you to 65 miles an hour going down a steep hill with a heavy tailwind. What I'm trying to say is that you really couldn't speed up much in this rig. It was Sunday night around 7pm that I left home to return to my apartment in Durham. I had no expectations of arriving there before 9pm, and since I had done this trip countless times before, and the fact that my radio sucked ass and I couldn't hear it over the road noise, I let my mind wander. Somewhere shortly into the trip, my mind basically went blank and I was operating on autopilot. I came back to reality as I pulled into the parking lot of my apartment building, thinking that it was weird that I couldn't recall the drive. Not one thing. Mentally shrugging, I got out and started hauling my crap up to my apartment. Once I got into my room, however, I noticed the time on my bedside alarm clock and it said 8pm. That meant only one hour had passed since I had gone on the road. Thinking something might have happened to my alarm clock, I checked the time on my watch. It matched. There's no freaking way I could have made that two-hour trip in only one hour. It's a physical impossibility. It would have required a constant speed of 120 miles an hour to be even possible, and the Jeep wasn't even capable of it, and there are numerous speeding traps between home and college. One thing my family insists upon is a phone call when any of us travel, just to let them know we arrived safely. 
I knew my parents would have an issue with me calling home only one hour later, claiming to be back at my apartment, and I ended up waiting until 9pm to call them. I mean, what else could I do? During the call, my parents even confirmed that my clock and watch matched their time at home. There's no explanation for what happened, I have no recollection whatsoever of the drive between home and college, and the physical limitations of my vehicle would just not permit excessive speed. I've just had to tuck this one away in my memory banks, shrug and think, yep, that happened. Paul, I would truly love to know if you have any similar stories in that vast paranormal collection of yours, or if Brennan has ever heard of this kind of thing. You guys are tremendously awesome. Take the compliment, Brennan, you deserve it. And your podcast format is working really well. Keep up the great work. Well, thank you very much, Anonymous. I will certainly take the compliment. Uh, Paul, what do you think? The best example of anybody in a paranormal setting receiving gain time is a pilot called Bruce Gernon in the Bermuda Triangle who has a very harrowing and strange experience when he was flying on one particular day where he sort of was surrounded by big banks of clouds and it kind of started sort of coming in on him and he was he was terrified these were big violent looking storm clouds but he could see this sort of slither of light and, and almost like a tunnel so he just focused on that and just carried on going got through it and then he suddenly appeared and he was over Miami and he was like what and he was a very similar he'd done about a two hour journey in just under an hour and he couldn't explain it the fuel use wasn't the same he'd got receipts and everything and it this is like 40 years ago He's he's done numerous interviews about it he can't explain what happened at all so we, we hope that sheds some light on it for you. Thanks again for writing in, and, and thank you for your original story. Next message is from Haley. Haley says, I was binge listening to a few episodes while crocheting a unicorn toy for my niece and waiting to give my cat her last dose of epilepsy medication for the day. She gets three pills each day, and the second had occurred pretty late. Anyways, in By the River's Dark, you and Paul were discussing the large numbers of stories about bridges. It reminded me of one of the children's stories told in Harry Potter. It's called The Three Brothers, and it's how we learn about the Deathly Hallows. But at the beginning of the story, the brothers need to cross the river and conjure up a bridge. And Death is angry with them because usually people die trying to cross the river. He felt cheated. The parts of the story relevant to Harry go on from there, but the idea of bridges being a place where Death hangs out looking for victims who are unaware of the perils of the river seem to dovetail with your observations. I don't think I'm very sensitive in general, so I don't have any stories to share with you, but I enjoy the show so much I wanted to write in when I had a chance. Thank you for the entertainment. I have 11 more episodes to go before I get to the new ones, which are the ones you've posted since I subscribed in March 2022. You'll be hearing this a little bit later then, I guess, but uh, thank you for writing it. I think, you know, I, I'm no great fan of, of Joe Rowling for obvious reasons, but uh, I will say, you know, I, I did read the books when I was younger and I feel like, you know, she had a solid grounding in UK, you know, basic UK folklore, which includes, you know, things like death at crossroads and, and on bridges. Yeah. Yeah. We've also got a very odd bridge in, uh, in Scotland, which is Overton Bridge, where dogs consistently throw themselves to their death from it oh my god dogs yeah it's it's a very odd explanation and the the scientific explanations don't really add up either because they're saying oh it's it's because dogs can smell mink and so they they jump off the edge of the bridge but there aren't any mink there interesting why so why would they say they can smell mink if there are no mink and folks if you hear dogs in the background paul is is taking care of two dogs so that <laughs> you, you will hear dog noises we just like the bird noises at my end we cannot do anything about them <laughs> Well, I can. I can drug them. 
<laughs> what is this? Used cars? No, we were not drugging the dog. <laughs> so, <laughs> but yeah, so they've they've given all kinds of things like the dogs can't their perception's wrong, but that doesn't explain how a dog's perception can see through a brick because it's it's a raised bridge that they have to jump over the side of it to go down, and it's like a sixty foot drop. Jesus. Um. So yeah, I mean, it's not like one or two either. There's dozens of dogs that this has happened to. And they do warn you to keep your dog on the lead when you cross this bridge. Wow, that is bizarre. Cresta Lee says, Oh my God, I was taking a bite when the ghost force bit began. I almost choked and spat out my food laughing. Thanks to both of you and the coffee for sharing your humor with us. Hugs. Well, thank you, Cresta Lee. That's very kind. I'm trying to remember what we said. We say so much shit, Paul. Sometimes it's hard to pin it down. It's a lot of funny content, isn't it? It's it's difficult to understand what tickles people. Yeah, yeah. Funny. I like how it's much more flattering the way you say it. Funny content, not just I say things and then forget (laughs) I've said them. Thank you. Thank you for that euphemistic approach. (laughs) We were having a discussion at work today and we were talking about what somebody, one at New Starters needed to say to somebody and and the boss said something and then I said something else. And then he just replied and said, go with Paul's, it sounds, it's, it sounds intelligent. <laughs> That's half the battle, man. Yes, yes. Let's streamline this over some blue sky thinking later and touch base. Synergy, drill down, circle back. Mind shower. Mind shower. Hmm. I think we're back to yeah, the... Yeah, I worked for a company where the, the term brainstorming was banned. So mind shower took its place? Yes, because the term brainstorming may offend people who have neurological conditions. This was 20 years ago as well. This is not like a, a modern thing. Mind shower just, we're right back to the pee stuff from earlier. <laughs> we're going to mind shower together. Hey, I'm married, man. I'm sorry. Not my thing. <laughs> well, you know, it's one of those things. It's like somebody once tried saying, oh, excuse me, can you, can you not say that offensive word? And somebody had said the word shit, right? Say, oh my god, I can't believe you said that. And everybody's like, what are you talking about? What what swear word? And they couldn't and they wouldn't say the word shit. They went S H one T. I was like, what, what the fuck's nobody, nobody said that. What's that? Shon it. Nobody said shonet. <laughs> so spell it. Yeah. I was like, what what? And they went, no, yeah, you said that word. Stop, be careful. Was like, As if shit was the Kabbalistic name of God. Yeah. Come talk to me in five hours and see you when I said then love. <laughs> when I'm not in the office. <laughs> Yeah, I have a podcast. Yeah, come come listen to that. <laughs> have a mind shower. You'll need yes. a shower. Yeah, you're gonna need you're gonna need a mind shower after this. Oh, I wonder if there's someone doing that. We can get some sponsors going. We 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 finished. <laughs> we're done with BetterHelp here in about. Or sorry, we're done with HelloFresh in about twelve days, and there's no one lined up afterwards. Maybe we got someone to do like brain <laughs> unclogging. Well, you have some special worms that Khan gives to. Is it uh, Sulu in Star Trek? I don't remember. It's been so long. Sulu since and Chekhov, the second one, Rata Khan. Yeah, I, I don't remember. Weird listeners, do you know <laughs> which brainworms did Mont- Ricardo Montalban use <laughs> in Star Trek, and on which cast member and which Joe Rogan product do they, do they most closely resemble? <laughs> My favorite, and, and everyone says, "Oh, you you know, it's you don't like Joe Rogan because the media tells you not to like Joe Rogan." One, no, I I have real thoughts because I'm a functioning, fully formed human. The reason I I think Joe Rogan is a joke. Uh, is way, way back. Someone told me I should listen to his show. This is before he became really controversial. He was just, you should listen to this guy. So I thought, okay, I'll, I'll give it a listen. And at the time, I was really into stuff at the comedy store. So I listened to an episode where him and the comedian Tony Hinchcliffe, who turned out to not be a great guy, shock, uh, were coming back from Australia with Dana White. 
And I thought, eh, yeah, you, you, okay, I'm not impressed. So I listened to another episode and he's selling his products. He's like, this is, you know, nutraceutical, you know, mind shower brain juice. And this will make your brain, uh, you know, this will make your brain thick so much bigger and you will <laughs> be faster. You will think stronger. You will, are you suffering from jet lag? Drink this snake. I mean, sorry, juice. And this hmm. solution will ease your jet lag. And the very next breath out of his stupid mouth was, oh man, I'm so fucking jet lagged. <laughs> you are not a serious person. I do not take you seriously. <laughs> I don't, I don't have to know that you've had Robert F. Kennedy Jr. on there, who is, I, I would rather talk to a dog and like, like have a long conversation. I would rather, I would rather sit down with a dog and have to take the dog seriously. And the dog could be anti-vax. And I'd be like, well, dog, you know, you make some great points. I would rather do that than sit down with Robert F. Kennedy. But it's not that, that's not why I think Joe Rogan is a schmuck. It's because, because of that. Because he, he just couldn't see that he invalidated his entire thing. And I, I can't take someone seriously who does that. Yeah, he should have just been injecting himself with silver. There's <sighs> some things I'd like him to inject himself with. <laughs> Always works for me. Well, that's why your skin has that lovely blue tone. <laughs> Call me Papa Smurf. <laughs> I, who was this about? Who's, whose email was this again? Was this Crestley? That's where we went from, yes. Jesus Christ. Well, Crestley, uh, again, I, I thank you so much. I'm, I'm oh God, I don't even know how we got here. Anyways, regardless, um, thank you so, so much. Crestley's also a patron, which we deeply appreciate. Yes. Welcome to Tangents with Paul and Brennan. Yeah. Tangents from the Abyss should have been the show name. <laughs> I, I was trying to figure out where I, where I got talk spooky to me, because obviously it's not a super original name, but, and then I realized that Scout Taylor Compton and Danielle Harris, the actresses, their show is talk scary to me. I just thought it was a play on, play Misty for me. So, it's, and yeah, I suppose it all depends on your cultural touch points. And I got nothing against them. I think they're, they seem like cool people. I just don't listen to the show. But, um... Yeah, and so since then, though, I've decided to lean into it. So we, we followed them on social media. They followed us back. And I've actually been actively stealing the format for our video clips from them. So, <laughs> you know, I, we started off with just the two talking heads. And then I noticed they had certain st like graphical styling on their clips. I'm like, hmm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to steal that. And so I have. And so now I, I actually think our styling looks a little better than their. I mean, th <laughs> just they're objectively better looking than we are. But apart from that, I think the actual format, I think we've, I think we've exceeded them. So. Gauntlet is thrown, Daniel Harris and Scout Taylor Compton. I, I, ooh, I, I'm, I know you're listening. I assume you're not really. But if you are, Gauntlet is thrown. You never know who's listening out there. It's a thought that terrifies me sometimes, Paul, some of the things I say. <laughs> Joe Rogan's crying in his isolation chamber or whatever. His, his, his ice bath, he's just sobbing. His tears are turning into icicles. Get me Bob Lazar on the phone now. <laughs> So Alex Jones is giving him a shoulder rub too. You're doing okay, buddy. It's them, not you. <laughs> I got to say, <laughs> the best Alex Jones thing out there right now is the Knowledge Fight podcast. If you want to know more about Alex Jones, listen to the guys, I think Jordan and Dan at Knowledge Fight. They're so fucking funny. And they, have, they, they are experts in all things Alex Jones. So if you ever want to know what's going on in that man's strange, strange head, Listen to Dan and Jordan because they're they're a they're really cool guys. It sounds like I don't know them personally, um, and b they have a great show. And c we should all celebrate the downfall of Alex Jones. Mm. 
I always find it surprising when I tell people that the first time I became aware of him was when he got involved with the Branch of Davidians. Really? That long ago? Yeah. He was, he was involved in organising marches after Koresh had been killed and the other fatalities of the siege. No shit. Within a couple of years. And, and Jones was leading demonstrations about trying to get a proper inquiry into into alleged misdemeanors by the FBI and uh, and other organizations and to be fair i think he had a point with that one everything else he's done afterwards has been a bit like woo yeah but um, yeah there's a lot of strange things that went on with the branch davidian siege i mean if you're trying to do a full and true accounting of the sins of the the three letter agencies in the US i mean you're going to be at it for a while and that's frustrating <laughs> because it means that some of the worst people in the world you know they're not wrong all the time yeah, everybody always bangs on about how wonderful certain countries are, but they just don't dig into it. That's it. Yeah. yeah. Nowhere's got a perfect system. You got to, you have to hold everyone to account. doesn't matter if you're on their side or not. You mm. have to hold them to account. You can't pull that like, well, they're on my team, so it's okay shit. Because I think that's why mm. we're in such a bad situation right now. It's like, well, they're my guys, so it's okay if they do it. Well, no, that's, yeah. that's a bad system. That's, you can't, you can't have that. You have to hold them to account whether you agree with them or not. I'm just glad I live in such a country full of integrity as, as England. I'm sorry, you said Legoland? You've moved to Legoland? We're honest and open and we, we don't do anything like like what other countries do. Function? Did I did I mention we won the war? <laughs> hmm? Rishi Sunak, get your hand out of Paul's ass. <laughs> hey, it's not often I'm taller than a prime minister, but I am. <laughs> All right, folks. Well, thank you, Crystal Lee. Uh, thank you to everyone who wrote in. We are going to have, of course, you know, to a talk spook. We'll be back in two weeks. We have some stuff we didn't get to, and we'll be sharing it on that show. But for now, we're going to take a quick break to pay the bills and then be back with Carrie and Quinlan from the Truly Darkly Creepily podcast. Quinn's drunk again. <laughs> <laughs> Listen. I mean, it is Denver. You know. It's Colorado. It's not, you know. It's Denver. Wait, it's, we are... it's Denver. It's the it's the mile high state, so I'm more than drunk. Right? <laughs> I would hope so. <laughs> yeah, once Wait, you land at that airport, take a minute... all bets are off. Oh, yeah. Well, that airport, especially the lizard people. My God. Um, <laughs> Wait, can we take a minute to just <laughs> respect and honor that we are all in different countries? Yeah, we are actually, aren't we? It's I guess so. Wild. Yeah. This is the United Nations. Let's you look do at this us. Thing. We got yes. two North American representatives. We got two UK folks. I mean, really, like, look at us. Here You're we are. You're counting yourself as a UK folk? You know, Claire, did you just get there? I did just get okay. here, but you know what? As long I'm not going to do an accent. That would be so embarrassing. <laughs> I'm not going to do it. But I am here. <laughs> so, Quinn, when you landed in Denver, did you see lizard people? Oh, so many. So many at any airport, in my opinion. Lizard people everywhere. I'm a grouchy traveler. If this is Sesame Street, call me Oscar, because <laughs> I don't like an airport. And I was like, get me through. Don't look at me. Don't talk to me. Including your children? Including my children who kept looking at me and talking Gross. to me. It was the strangest thing. Who invited you anyways? Come on. Who's paying for your ticket? Right? Shut up. They're two and five. So they, they are very hands on deck while traveling. <laughs> We just arrived last night, and already today our big plan is to go to something called a monster battle. What? Oh. Well, have you ever heard of Meow Wolf, which is uh, in a couple of uh, U.S. states, and it's it's really art installation meets immersive meets, like, lucid dreaming, and you walk through these spaces that they've created to make you feel like you're cracked out on some sort of drug where you 
are in like a laundromat, but then you have to crawl through the laundry Mm -hmm. machine and then you're in outer space, this kind of thing. And they're sponsoring uh, something in a local park today that they're calling a monster battle where they said everyone should dress like any version of a monster they choose. And it's, it's a family affair and there will be a DJ and there will be epic dance battles all evening from four to nine o'clock. So we're taking my kids and they better fucking win. <laughs> I thought you'll leave them at the park. It's crunch time. You kids are not going leg. back home until you win the dance battle. No way. This is what we've been training our whole life for. Good to instill those values at an early age, Quinn. You want to make funny kids. And if you, if you want your kids to be funny, you got to give them some adversity. And that includes dance battles. Trauma. The word you're looking for is trauma. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, trauma. I really want to teach them that everything is a competition. Naturally. And love is based on success. (laughs) Yes, it is. It's what you earned. I like to say I didn't come here to make friends. I came here to make a podcast. Yeah. (laughs) Well, you're in the right industry. I'll say that much. Joining a conversation uh, in progress, our guests tonight are writers, performers, producers, and so much more. Fresh off the success of their limited series podcast, Crime of a Lifetime on the Lifetime Network, Carrie and Quinn are here to talk about the triumphant return of the show that started it all for them. One, I might add, that has one of my favorite intros ever, Truly Darkly Creepily. Carrie and Quinn, welcome to the Ghost Story, guys. I mean, you've been here for a while now, but this is the official one. have been welcome. here for a minute. Oh, thank you. It feels thank officially you. so Thank good. you for having us, Brennan and Paul. We're excited to be here. We're fans. Big. Carrie always says she doesn't come here to make friends. She came here to make a podcast. <laughs> but somehow, despite herself, we you know, keep making hard. friends keep along making the way. Friends. It's hard. It's really hard. I can't. My dance card is full, but here I am just adding a page <laughs> on with tape. So I really are, do appreciate the word triumphant. Thank you for that. Absolutely. Thank you for that. We needed that. Optimistic, and we're ready for that. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're, they Brent, failed you, not you... the other way around. <laughs> As I'm crying. Um, Bren, uh, are you a big theremin fan? I am aware of the theremin. I, I have played a theremin mm-hmm. once briefly. Uh, I, I don't know. Fan might be pushing it, but I, I, I am <laughs> I am theremin accepting. I'm I'm mm. ther- what, ther- what's what I'm looking for? You're theremin, theremin affirming. Theremin, <laughs> more theremin, theremin affirming. affirming. More theremin affirming. You know, I've never played a theremin. How was it to play a theremin? I mean, I was I was at the experience music thing in Seattle with my wife, and honestly, I just made it look like I was jerking it off because because you're a child. Great, that's, cool, cool, cool. That is oh, an no, no, excellent no, that's because play. I'm hilarious. That's why. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry, yeah. sorry, 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 sorry. I misspoke. misdiagnosed I the situation. Absolutely. I've yeah. misstepped. <laughs> Okay, so yes. how did no, it sound? But here's my question. When you did jerk off the theremin, how did it sound? Mm. Happy. There, well, there, yeah, I mean, it was, it was a very tender situation, you know? Do not take this for granted. Is there a pregnant theremin out there? <laughs> no, it was only hand stuff. It's fine. Oh, therababy? Is there also, a theremin baby? Also, I've had a vasectomy, baby? so that's, that's, not, that's not on. If they try and sue for paternity, they're going to look real stupid. Paul, while he's doing this, can you keep doing your theremin noises so we can have some backtrack? <laughs> some Foley art. It's kind of what it sounded like, yeah. It's an incredible <laughs> intro. Well, I say that because in our intro, in, in our intro music, there is a theremin. We've there is yes. a theremin in there because gotta throw a th- if there's a if there's a spooky something or other. What is spookier, creepier than an invisible instrument to play? i.e. the theremin there is an app i'm not sure if it's still available but i know you you two ladies may not be aware of it there's a musician called paul weller who's very famous here in the uk for being in several bands 
and uh, he downloaded an app and record there's a theremin app you can use and he recorded all the theremin parts on one of his albums through this app about 10 years ago well right. i know what i'm going to do with the rest of my evening <laughs> with the rest of this Sign interview me up. The hell with this <laughs> Did you know that there is a an app on your phone, and this is again not sponsored, but there's an app on your phone that apparently can like register heat. And obviously, it cannot. I just I, I don't know if any of your fans do have this app where you can register like electromagnetic, because there's no way your phone can find that in a camera. Which, by the way, whoever did that, like, just is taking everybody for a damn ride. I respect the hustle. I do. I respect it. Yeah, you gotta respect that. You gotta respect it. But I gotta tell you, the iPhone is not capable of that. So, (laughs) return to Detecting ghosts? You don't think? (laughs) I don't know, though. I think you can channel a ghost through a phone. I do. I think you can. What do you think? I mean, not on an SE. (laughs) I think one of the later, Mm -hmm. one of the, like, more... X. You like the 12 or yeah, to yeah. I have a, a 12 mini critical yeah. mass yeah. of megapixels you need to see a ghost I'm sure yeah once you, you cross the event horizon of megapixels then you can see the ghost mm-hmm. do you think Mother. more ghosts communicate via Android or Apple I assume most ghosts wouldn't want to be seen dead uh, talking to anyone with an Android so I'm, I'm assuming Apple <laughs> seen dead this is good this is that's good I'd be seen dead not proud so, it was wow. still two th- 2010 and people were still using Apple goodness I am <laughs> I'm, I'm not proud of this, Paul. I bought an iPad a while back because uh, the Android tablets are garbage. And um, I still, I'm I, I, trying to use this goddamn thing. I feel like I'm 95 years old. How do I close this window? How do I restart it? Why has God abandoned me in my moment of need? It's the shit. You need to phone uh, Gary. Tech I'm very good at uh, please, yes. tech support, and I will put on my most amazing tech voice. Patient voice. Patient, little soft, and just happy to be here, because it is my pleasure to help you. All right, well, expect a lot of calls at weird times tonight about my iPad. Weirdly, if I talk now like that, that I should expect weird calls at all hours of the night. That's fair. So speaking of calls in the middle of the night, have either of you ever had creepy fans? I, I must know. Ooh. Yes, creepy I have. fans. Yes. That is a really 1, good question. 1,000%. I have. I have. I do a lot of shows. Um, I, I travel quite a bit um, at different festivals. And there was one person who I met at a festival in like 2016. And I don't want to say where. But when I meet people, I'm very nice because I, I really do have like I give them the benefit of the doubt. And I think sometimes my friendly nature can really backfire. And this guy started like trying to invite me to like a group hang and kept talking. And then like I saw him one day and he was like, just came back from a tantric workshop. And I was like, oh, no. So I have quickly sort of like stopped hanging. I was just like, so literally, I have to tell you, a week ago, I was in a place and I saw him on the street and I saw him see me and I was with my friend who I do my show with. At, and I just looked at my phone and I went, huh, where, huh, hmm. And I just turned around like I didn't know where I was going. And you I can go, tell she has an acting background, <laughs> right? Very Thank you, natural. BFA. And I and I said, I go, I think I want to go. I want to go over here. And then I go, just keep going because there's a creepy guy. And I don't want to look at him. And I did it with that, with like the quiet, don't, like I became a ventriloquist in that moment. Mm. So yeah, I have had that. 
But as far as the podcast goes, I don't think any of our fans have creeped us out. Really? One of them impressive. had said they would date and me. And one if of them they named wanted. their baby after me. One of them did name their baby after you. That was cool. One but of, I like that. Cool. I have a big sweet. enough ego to not find it creepy to just be like, why wouldn't you name your child for me? <laughs> Wait, just one? one? Of, maybe that's the issue. Maybe our egos are too big and we have a lot of creepy fans, but anytime they're creepy, we're just flattered. <laughs> well, also, I'm so desperate to be liked. So yeah. One listener said that he would be willing to go on a date with me. <laughs> oh. Willing. He didn't what sound that excited about uh, it. I think he was doing you a favor, Carrie. Calm down. He was like, you're single? Sure, I'll take you out if you're ever in this part of Texas. I said, amazing. <laughs> I've never been in that part of Texas, amazing. but I'll, I'll let go. you know. I mean, obviously, the thing about the true crime field is that I often am surprised that dealing with the, the people and the characters that you guys have covered over there, over the length of the show so far. Do you think it, yeah. it does kind of end up desensitizing you to it? Because you did a bit on talking about BTK, who is, is just one of the most obnoxiously disgusting serial killers that's ever been there. It, sometimes it's difficult because I'm a big true crime fan. You know, obviously I listen to you guys. There's a show here called All Killer No Filler that I listen to, and obviously the, the ladies that do Morbid as well. So I, I love yeah. a bit of true crime because it's, it's something I've always been interested in. So for you guys, is it is it been quite a, a challenging testing journey dealing with some of these horrific bastards? Yeah, I, <laughs> you know, I do ask a lot of people why they like true crime. And I where I've settled, I think for me, is I think growing up as a woman, it was never like, oh, you're going to hurt yourself. It was always like someone's going to hurt you. You know, I, I never mm-hmm. there was like such fear around like I remember growing up and getting a chain mail. Do you remember those? So fun. And mm-hmm. there was like sort of a list of things to avoid. And I remember a couple of them because they really stayed with me and they were so present, which was one was if you hear a baby crying outside of your front door, do not open the door because there have been known to be killers who use the sound of a baby to lure women out of their home. And kidnap them. And I remember my mom even saying things like, hey, if someone tries to get you run away because the chance of them hitting a vital organ with a gun is less than if you were taken to a second location. That has been a (laughs) chorus in my life. (laughs) Truly. And I think a lot of women, I know how fucking dark is that, but I think a lot of women feel that way. And I think from where I land on true crime is by finding, by researching these stories, it gives me a false sense of comfort. And Mm. in a weird way, it's like by exposing myself to the darkest things, it makes me feel like, okay, it won't happen to me Mm. in a very strange way. So it's, it's almost in a way helped because it becomes like, it becomes, it's not a sensational thing. It's, it's present. I don't know. Mm. Quinn, how do you feel? Well, I just think it's so interesting the way you framed that. Cause I was sort of uh, thinking, wow, I guess as women, we don't realize it, but podcast or not, interest or not, we all are being raised to think about true crime constantly mm-hmm. because we're all being fed cautionary tales and here's how to keep yourself safe. And you always know somebody that something happened to. You always, always do. So I I do think that um, that's where my love of true crime originated was definitely having a little bit of an anxiety problem. <laughs> yeah. And I like I like scary movies, Mm. though, for the same reason, which is to say that I'm looking. My anxiety doesn't stem often from a real life situation or problem. It's just within me. And I feel better if I have a place to focus it. 
So if I can watch a scary movie, it's giving me like a channel where I already have all the anxiety built up. Let me funnel it towards something. <laughs> totally. Uh, and it, true crime certainly is one of those things. And I do think that we're wrong about this, but that we do think that if we read enough about it, that it won't happen, to, that we'll build some sort of immunity. immunity it's like it. giving yourself a shot of it. And you're yeah. like, if we get enough boosters, we're not going to get it. Not true, but... True deranged crime. and part of how our brain thinks. <laughs> well, it's interesting. Quinn, when so Quinn was pregnant with her second kid when we were recording, you know, when we were doing our podcast, which that might be one of my favorite episodes was when Quinn was giving birth. I called her and I recorded her and we were talking about the. It was just it's probably one of my favorite things. Um. Anyway, but when Quinn was pregnant, she's like growing. A hard day for me. But. <laughs> a hard day for me. Made me lol. Laugh out loud. I love that episode. Because um, Quinn was like, we're going to take a week off. And I was like, what if we record you while you're in labor? And she was like, okay, sure. It was very fun. <laughs> the title of the episode is I Hate Him. So that's that. Um, so- <laughs> okay. I haven't, listened, I haven't got as far as that one yet. So I got to check that yeah, out. Yeah, that one's a couple years old. But it's it's because we were going to, we're like, we're going to take one week off, listeners. And then we surprised them with you know quinn's labor which if what's more true crime than a labor um but but quinn, when i did she feel was, like a victim yeah quinn when she was quinn when she was um when she was making when she was growing a child in her body quinn mm. would bring just like stories of fetal abductions the darkest, the darkest shit in a way that i remember looking at her going are you okay? And she was like, oh yeah, I'm okay. And I think it was that like confronting yourself with the darkest possibility as a way to sort of release that into the world and not carry it with you. Mm-hmm. I was at a party with Quinn at her house. Do you remember this, Quinn? I was at Quinn's house at a party and I'm speaking to a pregnant woman. Do you want to t- tell him what happened, Quinn? <laughs> Do you remember? Oh, just that Carrie has no manners is really the headline event. She just like went up to this pregnant woman is like, they're just like, what have you been doing this weekend? And Carrie's like, well, we just told this story. And I, I like was like, she can't be. I'm across the room. And I'm like, she is not starting to tell this pregnant woman a story of fetal abduction and how this woman like got the baby cut out of her and died. And so I like ran, I like knocked, I jumped over a table and knocked over everyone's drinks. And I was there in seconds. And I was like, what are you doing? And I went, and I went, right. And she was like, right. right." And I was like, okay, yeah, never. And then I I did a weird reality back into her. That's a danger of niche podcasting those. You you, you're the dinner party ruiner at that point, whether it's true crime, paranormal, someone says, you know, murder. Oh, oh, have you heard about the guy who killed 16 families or (laughs) Someone says ghost. You're like, oh, you hear about the ghost that uh, ruined the guy's life and drove him crazy. And they, you know, please Mm -hmm. stop coming to my parties. Okay, I will not come back. I haven't even told you about that. Here's a restraining order. Relax. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, So, yeah, you've been to some of the parties I've been to. Yeah. (laughs) Bren, what does the restraining order say? You are not allowed 50 feet within my children. Oh, right, right, right. Yes, yes, yes. I remember you. I'm not touching that one. (laughs) (laughs) I'm kind of curious to learn a little bit about what it was like working sort of in the the bigger budget podcasting arena. Obviously you guys were working with Lifetime for a while there. And I remember when you had the sort of the sign-off show, when you swapped over for a bit, you were talking about, you know, the, the, the novelty of working with producers, working with, with writers and, and, and things like this. Was that sort of what you expected 
I think that we didn't know what to expect going in and we were we're so used to it being um, two hands on deck, four hands on deck. How many hands do we have? <laughs> we're not good at math either. There's a lot I'm not good at. The math doesn't math. math. One the of math things. isn't math. So we were, we were used to doing everything ourselves and it was so weird to have like, you know, your podcast is like this baby that you take care of and you love it so much and then it was so weird to have all these other people there suddenly where we were like, you care about this too. Right. You want it to be good too. Or even the idea though, also that you're like, well, obviously we'll tell this story. It's so great. And we're used to having full control and they're like, no legal's not going to let you tell that story. Oh, and you're interesting. like, what? Why? Like they're like, cause we don't want to get sued. And you're like, we never think about whether we get sued. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, no one would sue you. You don't have any fucking right. money. Lifetime has money. Like, <laughs> You're in the big leagues, baby. So there was a lot of differences in how we produce versus how they produce. Um, and I would say that we learned a ton uh, along the way, working with so many people that are, that, you know, their resumes are full and this is what they do. And we've kind of been teaching ourselves as we go. And we, you know, buying like the, what's the cheapest microphone we can get on Amazon? And, right, you know, yeah. just like really teaching ourselves how to edit all this stuff. And as you can tell, me teaching myself how to use a computer. Um, so that <laughs> it's all been, it's all been a real process. But I think truly the biggest thing was the legal aspect of it in a way that like I had to, we had to remind ourselves always, it's like they're protecting us. They're protecting them, which is protecting us. Right. But it was definitely like you understood working for a big corporation like that. It's a lot of a chain of command. And we were at the bottom of it. Right. That was an interesting thing to just relinquish control, which I think I just did. I said, you know, when we started doing it, it was like, I'm going to come do my job, do my research, do the writing that I have to do, put it on air. And then I'm just going to let go because I couldn't. The first episode, I remember like watching the edits and seeing what they cut and see if the joke that I wanted to put in and I and it drove me crazy and I go I don't have a say in this so I'm just gonna let it go and see what happens but it was the the legal was the legal was um was a very interesting dynamic that I did not expect that I learned quite a bit about it's just you know they want everything to have a tidy ending it um to be adjudicated no children there's just like some limitations and we're big we were speculators like we like a case where we can be like you know what we i think could have happened what right. if you killed her and then and that's really mm. um for lack of a better word fun and that's really interesting to us to sort of play armchair detective sometimes and to engage in these um sort of one-sided conversations with our listeners where we're like you guys do you think that this could be it or or to this day, we don't know, or whatever it might be. And we needed it to be 100% adjudicated. And if it wasn't, there's no language you can use around who might have mm. done something or what kind of, even you have to be a little bit careful about what kind of vibes uh, people give you. So you might really hate one of the people we're covering and they might really not love that you're chatting about it. And that might get cut because they don't know if that person is particularly litigious and we're smearing them. So there's all these sort of things that that were off limits or cut later. Uh, and now that we're back doing Truly Darkly Creeply, I think we're we're letting the shit fly because we've, we've been a little bit in a bottle. We've been in a bottle go, and the right? genie is Pandora's out. box just got open. Yeah. The, the Dybbuk box is open and be careful. I will say like we had cases where they went through research, recording, editing that never were aired 
because there were certain aspects of it that legal said, hey, we only have this information from the survivor's memoir and it's not anywhere else and we can't even talk about it. And that was really hard because it was like to tell this person's story um, would involve their memoir because they had been wronged in a lot of ways. It was a story of a of a young woman who was trafficked and then she ended up killing the person who trafficked her um, through a series of events and she was given life without the possibility of parole. And she got out. She was granted clemency. It's an incredible story of like perseverance and just like the right people finding your story. And she was wronged in a lot of ways. Uh, Obviously, she was a survivor of human trafficking, but not to be able to tell her story was really tough. So the good news is we're going to tell that story on our podcast. And, (laughs) you know, we can actually a lot of stories we didn't get to tell. We can go back to now. Yeah. Yeah. And that was going to be my next question was what you must have some stuff lined up that you thought, okay, finally. I can I can say these things. And obviously this this human trafficking case is one of them. Are, are there some others? Yeah. Quinn just told a really good one um, in an episode that's coming out in a couple weeks. I don't know when this episode's coming out, but it's a, it's a really cool one. We couldn't, again, part of the legal conversation was also that we couldn't cover any cases that were outside of the U.S., which also put some boundaries in what right. we could cover, which was really challenging because people do weird shit all over the world. You know, so it's like even Canada, even in the UK, and even if someone had visited somewhere during a period of time of committing crimes, they consider that an international case and we couldn't cover it. Isn't that wild? You know, they were golden shackles, I'm going to say, because, you know, we it was to work for a company that, you know, paid us, which was very nice. And so many people worked on our team. It's like, these are problems we're bemoaning, but I mean, I would have continued if the audio department obviously is still around and I'm very grateful for the opportunity for sure. But, you know, I mean, like everything, it's a learning experience and things surprised us, you know? Oh yeah, absolutely. I've got an international case that you need to follow up on. It's only happened this week. Tell me. Have you heard about the woman who had her ex-in-laws round on Saturday? The mushrooms! Yeah. The, the Australian mushroom murder mystery. No. Yes, I am following it minute by so minute. This, I am losing my this mind. This woman cooks a meal for her, for her ex-husband's parents and his uncle or some, and wife. So they all came around and there was the ex and her two kids. And they all sat down and they had a meal together. And within 24 hours, two of them were rushed to hospital and died. The third one died the day after and the fourth one's critically ill but he's improving. The ex and her two children did not eat the same meal are absolutely fine. But she didn't she's not done anything wrong, she doesn't understand it. They think she's put give them death cat mushrooms in their food and the children haven't had it. Which is so powerful. The tiniest bit of it you can and you can do anything to this thing. You can dehydrate it, you can freeze it, you can turn it into a powder. There is nothing you can do that will take away how extremely lethal this is. It's just one of those mad cases that just pops up occasionally from from somewhere. And you just think, what on earth were they thinking? Do they think she did it intentionally? They don't know. Well, they're claiming an accident. But I think if seven people have a meal and three people don't give a meal and the four people who do it are your ex-partner's relatives and they're all seriously ill, it's it seems a little bit more than coincidence. All right. Here's the question. Who has the life insurance policy? To me, it's always the life insurance policy. That's every time. I just you think know. it's always the money, but I think it. I think this is something else. If it is, in fact... Revenge. Uh, 
It's something. I mean, it is just the people she cared about most didn't didn't have mushrooms. And, you know, you say maybe the half the people didn't like mushrooms. Then you don't make something with mushrooms yeah, exactly. in it. And where did you get these death cat mushrooms? If you don't like mushrooms, why are you out foraging? Yes. You know, she didn't get them at the farmer's yeah, market. Absolutely. And the thing is, you Whoa. know, with the greatest respect, if you're having a dinner party, unless you've got somebody who has specific dietary requirements or is a vegan or a Are you doing different meals for everybody? Exactly. Everybody has, you know, we've not gone to a restaurant. You've gone to somebody's house. You're all having chips and egg. Shut up. Yes. With extra mushrooms. That's wild. Like and I just can't imagine. I just, what I, I would love. I don't like it a bit. Yeah. I would love to just like see her prepare the meal. No, 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 no that's not for you. That's not for you. Like, what do you, I mean, what do you, not you. Can, can Unky no, have a taste? This is for you. <laughs> yeah. Nerve wracking. Very, very nerve wracking. specific seating assignments in this house. <laughs> Oh, I'd love to say, no, not You're you. You're not sitting there. Her kid picks up a bowl. She knocks it <laughs> out of their hands down. and it breaks. Oh, don't worry. I'll get you another. That's grandpa's. Jesus. <laughs> it's in his special bowl. Well, we could keep Carrie and Quinn here all day. We kind of have already, in fact. <laughs> but Carrie Quinn, thank you so much for being here. Congratulations on Truly Darkly Creeply coming back. Please come join us. Come join us. We the love- water's fine. <laughs> We love new listeners, but not new friends. Just you have to know what the boundary is. Yeah, don't be weird. You have to know the boundary going in, but please, you're invited. Where can everyone find you online? We're Truly Darkly Creeply, Instagram, Facebook. We also have a pretty fun website if you want to learn more about the show. It's trulydarklycreeply.com. And Paul and Brennan, this has been so nice. Thank you so much for this chat. And thank so you for wonderful. having us on. Really appreciate it. Been an absolute pleasure. And that's our show. Thank you so much for joining us, folks. We cannot tell you how much we appreciate you listening. Thanks, too, to Carrie and Quinn from Truly Darkly Creeply. Don't forget that by the time this episode sees public release, Truly Darkly Creeply will have launched their new season, so you can not only listen to their latest episodes, but you can catch up on their significant back catalog and check out their other show, Crime of a Lifetime, which is still streaming on podcast platforms everywhere. I'm recording this after the fact, so I want to say, of course, thank you to my friend and co-host, the inimitable Paul Bestel, who you can find on social media platforms everywhere as Mysteries and Monsters. And of course, you can listen to his podcast, Mysteries and Monsters, streaming everywhere. Find podcasts live. I'm still technically on Twitter. My account is still there. I'm not using it anymore. So if you message me or tag me there and I don't respond, that's why. But if you'd like to come find me on Instagram, Threads, or Blue Sky... I would love to see you there. Finally, as always, we have a musical guest on this episode. That musical guest is someone whose name you will recognize if you're a regular listener to this show. Our composer on main episodes is Jerry Smith. When we first started working with Jerry, uh, he did the music for our audio adaptation of Brianna Morgan's short story, The Dive. He was working as Rainy Days for Ghosts, but Jerry has since put that project to bed and started a new one, which is Street Witch. Street Witch's debut single is available on streaming platforms everywhere. And now, so is this latest single, which is titled Sexting. If you like what you hear, make sure to search for Street Witch wherever you stream your music. And we also suggest you check out some of the other artists who are on our label, Night Harvest Recordings. That includes The Revenants, Pizzanta Music, Rain is Wet, and although they're not on our label, they are our very dear friends. Their music is wonderful. That is Hexagram. Remember, that's hexagram with two X's, not three. 
All right, folks, thank you again for listening. If you want early access, ad-free episodes, head to patreon.com slash ghoststoryguys. That's patreon.com slash ghoststoryguys, or sign up to GSD Premium via Apple Podcasts. And until next time, we will leave you with the promised song. That is Sexting, the latest single from Street Witch. Thanks so much, folks. Oh, yeah.